Hi guys, uh, welcome to Property Soup. Uh, my name is Alan. I'm here with my friend John, and we've got some special guests here today from Strategic Brokers. We've got Gabriel and Hung. Thanks for having guys, us. Guys, welcome to the show. This is you're our first guests, actually. Yeah, first guests, very exciting. Yeah. Wow. So you take that honour. Yeah. Very we're, we'll wear it with pride. We're <laughs> gonna get a badge soon. Yeah. Idea for you. Yeah. <laughs> nice. So Gabe and Hung are from uh, StrategicBrokers.com. And we wanted to get a little bit more of an angle because you know, we're, we're property guys. We need the help of, uh, of good finance guys to help our clients you know, uh, finance the, the properties that we source for them. It's kind of the oxygen of property investing. Without the finance, it's pretty hard to get anything done. True. Yeah. So it's really um, fun to have you guys here and um, hopefully we can get some different perspective and get your expertise on what's going on with the market and stuff like that. But yeah, welcome guys. Thank you. Welcome. Maybe let's start like um, with your your background, like how, how did you guys get started in, in, in finance and that sort of thing? Yeah. So my name's Gabrielle. I started a little while ago, yeah, did my finance diploma in accounting and mm. ended up somehow, funnily enough, I did four unit English and general maths and I ended up in accounts. Don't ask how. But I ended up uh, working for NAB for, for about five, six years, um, did unsecured lending, secured lending, and then came into the dark side of mortgage broking. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty much my story. Okay. This is a little bit better. Probably, um, you know, flipped a switch a bit of mine. I started off, I guess, in accounting degree in uni. Uh-huh. But while I was doing that, I was working full-time running live poker tournaments and um, oh, running okay. from venue to venue doing <laughs> live poker tournaments. I was actually the MC on a lot of the events at one point. So after when I was 19 years old, I was running from club to club to casino um, on the microphone. So clearly too much personality to be an accountant then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I hated accounting. <laughs> I'm fantastic at accounting now, but that's because of, I guess, running businesses for the last yep. 20 years. So doing that allowed me to learn, I guess, all the accounting, buying properties allowed me to learn accounting, you know, structures came naturally when I started doing stuff for myself, right? Mm-hmm. Nice. From there, I ended up, you know, buying a franchise in the Australian Poker League, which Ran live poker tournaments in a region in clubs and RSLs, became top performing franchise nationally um, for about four years there. Sold off the business, had this accounting background, didn't know what to do with myself. So I bought a mortgage broking business off an infomercial. So it was As watch- you do. Yeah. I was watching the morning show one day and uh, some guys Did you like, get a George Foreman grill at the same time? Or? I, I, I bought that too. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> so it was a bloke on the TV and there was a bunch of like sparkies saying, oh, we became mortgage brokers. So you can become one too. Yeah. So I go, mate, I've got an accounting background. Yeah. <laughs> I can become a mortgage broker. I tried it for two years, probably yeah. wrote nine deals in two years and I um, uh, wasn't there for long and um, I joined Yellow Brick Road. I joined the franchise and then bought equity in that franchise, became then the principal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and along that journey, I met Gabs. Uh, we met for our wives uh, over, you know, lots of parties and drinking and <laughs> and got a, got a little bit fond of each other and then we ended up, um, you know, <laughs> ended up joining forces. He, he joined our team then. Um, and, yeah, we haven't looked back. And Strategic Brokers, I think, has been running for about close to three years now. Mm-hmm. But we've got a bit of a rare case where we, we actually have the franchise as a mobile license and mm-hmm. we still we run our own brand, strategic, uh, strategic brokers at the same time. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, so can we either hat. Okay, awesome. Who do, who do you guys usually help? Do you, like, is it a mix? Like, do you we work with, with investors, homeowners? Like, what's the, who do you normally work with? With us, I guess we work with everyone and anyone. There's no real fixed one person mm-hmm. uh, but predominantly or most of our clients are really focused investors mm-hmm. so 
I dare say more than 50% of the people we look after are, uh, have some form or some form of investment mm-hmm. or investment property. Yeah. Um, and that's really kind of our target market we've been really looking after for the last, well, it's been like 14 years now. Okay. Yeah, look, it seems like you guys are pretty investor-focused because I guess, um, look, broad numbers, roughly 20 25% of Aussies invest in property. If about 50% of your customers are investors, there's certainly, you know, a lot of people want to get ahead. Was that like a conscious thing for you guys or did the cookie just crumble that way? Um, I think looking back at where that kind of all started was, you know, myself and Gabs were both property investors. Um, I was super bullish in my early run. Yep. Um, and, you know, like I was really aggressive and I just, as every second I could borrow more money. Going, I'm going back all the way to you know, 2012, 2013, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which gave me the first leap in life, right? You know, like mm. imagine... You know, you, you look back at it at the time, it was hard. Rates mm. were 5%, whatever it was, and they mm. were going downwards, but they yeah. were, you know, they were high. They were five point something. Where we are, well, say high, they're not, kind of not about, cheap. They're yeah. about the same rates as we are today, right? Yeah. Yeah. So having those rates there, but the yields were a lot less than they are today, yeah. you know, trying to get into property. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, having that really aggressive run and then actually finally getting a bit of success of property. Mm-hmm. Um, I think friends, family, um, you know, uh, when you share your story and people can see it, and somebody who came from nothing to all of a sudden like, they're driving a nice car, they've mm-hmm. got this, they've got that, not just besides the work, but the assets is probably, to be honest, probably made more money in property than I've made working yeah. in my lifetime. Yeah. yeah. You know, so, what um, what kind of drove you in those early years to be aggressive with investing and to get onto the ladder? Yeah. Um, I've got a bizarre story, but I don't know. Like, I, I, Growing up, I guess, in that environment we grew up in, we kind of lack a bit of self-confidence. Mm. Uh, when I say that, it's more about, you know, knowing, you know, what's possible, right? If you're growing up in a yeah. flourishing environment, you're like, oh, yeah, this stuff's easy. But when growing up in that environment, I was kind of always, you can't afford anything. You know, you got to study hard, get a good job, you know, buy a house, pay it off, retire. That's you, all I'm told, you know? You don't mm. see it, you don't believe it, right? Yeah, no, I, I just, I was like, I, I think there was a trigger point when I was about 14, I met an uncle of mine was in Melbourne, funny enough, mm. and they called him Uncle Lucky. I remember this guy because a big fat mole <laughs> on his cheek. He had this hair growing out of his cheek like oh, yeah. a mole, right? And in yeah. Chinese did he, people. Did he like stroke it? Yeah, he stroked yeah, it, mate. You see the guy touching all the time. I love that bloody hair. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I just remember like my, my parents sent me there to take my grandma because she needed a, like somebody to escort her around Melbourne. Yeah. And she doesn't speak English and then she was here visiting. I took her around and I got to meet Uncle Lucky, all right? And Uncle Lucky... I, I used to love playing video games and I remember going to the arcade and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, hey, can I just stop at the arcade and play some games? This guy rips out like $100 of coins and gives it to me. I'm like, well, that's too much. No one's ever given me $100 more. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like, holy shit, that's a lot of, a lot of cash. Back yeah. in the day, there was a lot of Dance Dance oh, revolution. Mate, I played yeah. a lot of Dance Dance. I was sweating on that machine, mate. But yeah, um, then spending a week with him, he had like 20 houses, 20 commercial properties. Wow. Uh, like the guy was, you know, minted, absolutely wow. minted. And he came, he came by boat the same way as we did in mm. the 80s. So, you know, I'm like, why is he so much further than my dad, you know? Mm, yeah. Why is my dad working every day? And this guy, he's, I'm walking around with him for a whole week collecting mm. money from shops. You know, back then they dealt, dealt with cash. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's what they lived in, right? It's like a mobster yeah. walking around collecting Sounds money. Like mafia. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's exactly what it was. That's what I felt like. I was like, I want to be like this. You know, like how yeah. do I be like this? And I just, I, I used to poke him for a lot of questions. I'm like, uncle, what do you do? Goes, Look, whatever you do, just buy property and make yeah. sure you buy, then make sure you buy houses if you can. Yep. Uh, but if you can't afford a house, buy a really good unit. But, yep. you know, houses and land. That's mm-hmm. what he kept poking me at, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, well, that, that, I think that was the trigger point. Long, yeah. long winded answer, but you know. Yeah, there's always that like comparison, isn't it? Like, how is it that, you know, two people with similar kind of backgrounds, one, it does come back to that immigrant mentality mm. is like, yeah. we've been taught, or like, you know, with money habits and everything, it's always passed on. It's always like kind of inherited. Mm. And, you know, like, oh, I've got a young family and stuff. I'm trying, you know, I want to break the cycle and stuff. And I think we've spoken about this on like earlier episodes. A lot of um, a lot of immigrant families come here and the, the next best thing for them is just to get here. You know, just getting here alone, isn't it's, it's, it really is an achievement, mm. you know, like compared to continuing a life back home, mm. you know, like of struggling and stuff. And so just to get here, just to get the family here, Know, really good quality of living, healthcare, everything runs pretty smoothly. It's a big achievement. Um, but, you know, at just the last episode we just did um, about retirement standards is there's another step to that when you get here. Um, and working hard, like there's plenty of people that work hard. Yeah. You know, there's people that clean offices and work 60 hours a week. But if you're not you know, using that income to get assets, you'll be cleaning offices, working 60 hours a week for 30 years with mm. no no outcome. Mm. So that's a that's just, um, you know, really interesting to to hear that story that, you know, what what's different? Well, one, one person's looking to acquire assets and the other one's just looking to work. Yeah. And there's a big difference. Yeah. 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 Mine was more, I just wanted to build passive income. Like I didn't want mm. to work. For the rest of my life, I wanted yep. to always have. I always wanted had the the mindset that I had to have a sane, like a, a rainy day fund. Mm. But you know, just in case anything ever happens, you always got to have some sort of backing. You know, mm-hmm. but just trying to generate passive income. So if anything ever happened to me, at least there's there's money coming in. You know, yeah, that was my mindset on investing. At yeah. the time. When did you get started, Kay? Good question. Um, I think 2016. Mm-hmm. I bought a unit. And also a property in Queensland, um, and then did, like did some developments and kind of mm-hmm. wanted to, to build build and own and you know the own occupied. Um, right, twenty sixteen, I think, mm-hmm. from memory. Yeah. yeah, I think it sounds right. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you're off. I know your years better than you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. time flies. Yeah. And you know, with the both of you having that background in in finance, how has it ha- helped your property journey, and how has that helped? your clients with their property journey, having that background yeah. in finance. So I'll go back to when we when I first bought a property. Um, you know, funny enough, I, I bought a house. I was going to live in it. It was out west. Um, I was living out west then. I'm kind of – I used to live in a suburb called Miller. I don't know if you know anything about Sydney, but Miller is a very rough suburb, <laughs> a very, very rough suburb. So um, I now live on like, close to Manly, so they call me nice. Miller, Miller to Manly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if, you, if you sat on the front porch of either house, you'll see – Two very different worlds. Yep. Uh, I'm in DY down the road. So. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, you're a local. Yeah. Uh, so if you sit out the front porch of a house in Manly, um, you know, most probably they call it God's country for a reason, right? Yeah. Uh, if you sit in, a, in front of a house in Miller, you'll probably see a couple of junkies walk past, mm. <laughs> brown paper bags, syringes on the yeah. floor, like very, very completely different worlds. Mm. But, yeah, like buying a house early on and, you know, having that house, I was doing valuations on it like weekly, you <laughs> know, trying to work out yeah. how I can extract more equity because I knew I needed to get more property. Yeah. Um, 
So I guess having that ability being in the finance side, actually understanding that, I guess, how the banks operate, who will accept me, mm. who's going to value the property differently because I had probably mm. 50 to 100 grand. Might not sound like much, but yeah. it, at that exact moment in time, I, I remember in the next property, there was a special going on with, I went to, I'm trying to remember which bank it was. Actually, it was Westpac that time. Mm-hmm. That especially you could borrow 85% no mortgage insurance. Mm-hmm. And then I was taking that up and, you know, I was just finding anything I could grab to get, Ahead. It's finding like yeah. better options. Correct. Yeah. So that extra fifty grand in equity or fifty grand in value was allowing me to draw up, you know, yep. an extra fifty not eighty five percent of that in yep. in equity out to buy another property, which allowed me to get two more. I think so we can take a quick pause there because yeah. a lot of people don't think about this. Like, how long have you held those the extra property that you you got from that equity uplift? Oh, man, I've held them since 2014, so what are we now? Right. Yeah, so nine years now. Yeah. yeah. So if you could imagine like delaying that instead of holding them for nine years, holding them for for five years, right? Four years less. No, oh, right. wealthy would have lost probably a million bucks. You know, yeah. easy, right. easily a million yeah. dollars, yeah. and then wow. just off those ones. Yeah. yeah. And by what? It's not just a million. Let's yeah. let's put that million into perspective. That mil- or the equity up along that, you know, allowed me to buy more property. Yeah. Mm. So yeah. let's then you know put all of the properties together because you wouldn't have got to the next property. Yeah. You're yeah. able to compound your leverage. Correct. Yeah. And every once they started compounding, it's like after the first million's made. They say the first million is the hardest. It takes a long time or, yeah. or luck or whatever it is that's going to get you that first million. Mm-hmm. But after you've got that first million, it seems a lot easier to can manufacture the next 10, you know. So I don't know how that's going to play out, but it just keeps playing out. Like for yeah. some reason it became very much more easier. Yeah. I guess being in the game, we can we have a really like, I guess, eagle eyes view yeah. to see kind of what's going on in our space. And we're obviously always dealing with buyers agents, Dealing with lawyers, we're dealing with you know yep. strat, um, people who are doing property strategy. We're dealing with everyone, yep. so we're getting data from everywhere. We're kind of getting loose bits of data everywhere, and, yep. and then we're able to make up our own mind to work out well what's going to work best. You know, and, and people like yourselves will be you know adding so much value to people's lives because they're actually doing all the right things to show them the right types of property. Uh, the worst thing you can do is make a mistake on that first one. Yeah, hmm. that mistake on that first one is just going to leave you scarred, yeah. and your appetite would. You, know, you might not want to buy another property. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You were talking about like you know you you guys working with like different you know where strategists and buyers agents you know and like for any investor whether they're beginning or you know building a portfolio or something it's like really important to have a good knowledgeable like team of people because mm. just like you said like if you like if you don't know that about you know the options on valuations and I think one of our one of our mates um, had a client. And, um, you know, I think it was in Melbourne, southeast Melbourne somewhere, they were told that the house was worth 600K and, um, you know, they had a $550,000 mortgage, so not much equity in there, mm-hmm. like 40 grand or something. And then, um, you know, with the right connections, well, actually the, the house is valued way higher, like $150,000 higher. And if they hadn't have had the right team in place to figure that out, well, they would have sat out of the market for two, three years. Mm-hmm. And then if you're sitting out of the market for two, three years, you're literally you're losing money because you're not in the market. It's interesting for you guys both having banking backgrounds as well because obviously if you're within the bank and you mm-hmm. get a valuation ordered and come back, well, this is the valuation, right? There is no second option. There's no let's go back to Valex. There's nothing. It's this is what it is, right? Whereas you guys now know as brokers, well, actually there are some lenders who let you order the valuation and pick the company. Right, you've got options, you've got choices. Um, so even as as professionals within the, within the industry, you don't always get the full story. 
right? You know, it's that time, it's that learning, you know, and really trying to help people. Mm. That's where, you, you know, you learn, you know, the, the ways you can better serve people as well. Yeah. yeah. So how does that relate for, you know, for your clients, like having that knowledge, like that, you know, really helped you, Hung, but like how does that help you guys with, you know, helping your clients having that, that kind of background and, and knowledge on the finer details and... Like for me, I, initially I, I bought a property with my sisters. Mm. So we were kind of invested three three parties in one property, which it, it, there's pros and cons to that. <laughs> same, same as my first one. So. <laughs> says that, yeah, that's that at all. Uh, yeah, it's messy. It can be messy. Some banks will only take you know they'll 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 look at the full liability, even though you only have like one third of that property, right? So initially, to start off my 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 properties, I had one that was kind of super messy. And then eventually we ended up selling that and that allowed me, as working at the bank, allowed me to go 90% no LMI because I actually worked at the bank. Nice. So that kind of helped. But running valuations, um, I mean, some some customers, when we speak to them, they they got no idea that we can run upfront valuations, you know, mm. and, and with, with multiple banks if, if required, you know. Mm. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a learning. It's all about teaching them like what we can and can't do. I'll probably um, add to that is I guess the benefit or how our customers – they get a huge benefit out of the knowledge or the experience that we've faced or the challenges we face with trying to get more property. Like we've been there, we've done it. And then when we're looking at their options, like it's a bit of a, I don't know if it sounds strange, but a lot of our customers, when they, when we're doing a deal for them, they almost just trust us now. Yeah. We've built enough of a reputation in the industry that they go like, look, these guys are the best at this. If you want to buy more property, talk to them. You know, there's no point calling anyone else mm-hmm. because what they do is they'll just present you the best option. Yeah. And the amount, like, no one sees the amount of work that goes in the background before we get to that point, right? So, mm. no one sees that the sausage gets made. Yeah, correct. They just know that there's a result there at the end of it, right? So, yeah. like, to give and you it, it tastes good. Yeah. <laughs> as long as it tastes good. As long as it tastes good. Uh, but, like, a lot of thought goes into it. So, like, you know, so all of that stuff that I've done for myself and, you know, mm. the structures, the strategy, I'm buying in my name, I'm buying my wife's name. Mm. You know, is there land tax involved? Are we going to buy mm. with more? different structures, depends how advanced you are, how many properties you are, right? Yeah. You know, if you only one, two, three properties deep, then, you know, individual names, doesn't really hurt, no land tax, yeah. you know. Um, but at the same time, you might have a different strategy because you want to be, you know, just having that for, you know, might have a shitload of shares, I don't know, you know, yeah. like, mm. and that's yielding you a million bucks, I don't know, you know, like everyone's you know, circumstances everyone's are different, so different, right? Yeah. So, you know, we can, we look at the whole situation and we kind of, you know, put a bit of that accounting hat on, not without giving it, not giving advice. We obviously send them off to get advice. Of course. It's good because we put that accounting hat on and we look at the valuations. We go, well, is there enough in there? Uh, we generate, we grab through for like about three different softwares to look at the valuations yeah. and um, banks kind of attach themselves to a valuation platform. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we can almost see on the metrics how hard they're going to push the valuation mm-hmm. or how much risk they're willing to take on an electronic valuation. Uh, so we can kind of test that before we order the valuation. You only get one shot too. Yeah. Mm. So if, if you input the wrong number, it's stuck in that number. This is what happens. Mm. So, so when somebody walks into their bank, mm. uh, I'll give you an example, walk into Westpac and they go, oh, look, I think my property is worth 800 to 900, you know, no idea what their property is worth. Mm. Yeah. The, the banker goes in, puts in 800 grand. I'm now stuck with your 800 grand valuation. So I can't use Westpac, you know, yeah. I'm stuck yeah. with their valuation that they put in there. The estimate is key. Hmm. So what they estimate the value as, so to give you a live example, the customer come to us last week, they, they went to a bank, ordered the valuation, valuation was shit. Like they, they asked for one, like my house is worth 1.4 million, you know. Look at the reports, they're saying, mate, this house is no more than 1.2 million, you know. But all they need is 1.2 million to do a deal. Hmm. 
So they ordered a valuation for 1.4 million. Valuers, I think they're, they're like sensitive people. <laughs> you know, they're very sensitive people. Like you can't just go, my house is worth 1.4 million, throw it to a valuer, the valuer looks at it and they're like, you're kidding me. Like I've actually yeah. seen them live. They come to my house and, you know, I've talked to them and they're yeah. like, and they're like, yeah. kidding me, you know, like. Do you, reckon do you reckon they're like power tripping? No, they look at it and they go, hundred percent. They get angry. Like, 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 Rangers of the road. Yeah. yeah, I mean they get angry. Like, and then they look at it and they like, like, like nine hundred grand. Yeah, they'll yeah. send it back got, to you. I've got some insight. Yeah. This one of my colleagues from back in the day. His dad went from being a real estate agent to being a valuer. The amount of stuff he had to learn at one point to do um, agricultural valuations, he had literally had to pick through sheep shit. Right, and learn you know, the quality of the land based on the kind of shit the sheep was leaving. <laughs> so after doing that, he was like, when he, when he got the power trip, would he exercise it? You're damn right he would. Right? Yeah. So, do you yeah. know the shit I had to do to literally, get to where I literally. am? <laughs> 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 yeah. Yeah, no, right. so that, that, I guess, knowledge and, I guess, experience we've made. I don't know how many loans we've done now. <laughs> I think we've done, we've written over like close to, this is going to be a rough figure, but close to $2 billion. And we've lent out over $2 billion in mortgages mm. since we started. So it's been quite a journey. Yeah. Uh, so you can imagine the amount of valuations we've yeah. <laughs> ordered, right? So yeah. I think that wealth of experience tells you, like, you know, yeah. we kind of know what, you know, how to poke the bear, I guess. Well, what, <laughs> yeah. what, that's what like, if, so, yeah, this guy saw too much sheep shit. Let's stay away from Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Right? No, no, Some okay. banks also have, like, well, what happened with CBA yeah. last month or the month before? Oh, what without without just with, with everything was coming in like five percent higher than any any valuation. It's yeah. like they they have their own system, and you know, and yeah. they flick this flick a switch, and all of a sudden they the valuation is coming in higher. With Look, we don't even know, like you know, that's an example, I guess, of how they can be different. Like so, like one bank was at like seven hundred grand for electronic valuation, and like like Gab's mentioned, I know we're allowed to mention. <laughs> we're at like the. Yeah. The non-bank. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a bank we shall not yeah, name. Yeah, yeah, yeah a bank yeah, yeah. we shall not name. Um, they were, you know, closer to 950 on that same property. And, uh, yeah. and they're both the same electronic. They are two different electronic platforms. Mm. Uh, but that 950, that's a huge difference between 700 and 950. You know, and yeah. same client, you know, same address, same estimate. We put 950 as the estimate, got 951 place, 700 other. So... Well, if, you, if that's someone who wants to invest, right, that's the difference between them getting two investment properties versus potentially getting zero. So basically don't go to direct to the bank. Oh, look, never. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see any. Imagine I'm a, like I'm a, a beginner. Oh, I don't want to work with a broker. I want to go direct to the bank. Why would that be uh, not such a good idea? What's the difference between us as a broker versus the bank? Yeah, why, why would I go to you guys instead of... Yeah. Or any broker really versus yeah, just my, going directly. My, my bank know me. They love me. Don't yeah. They? Oh, I'm, my bank I'm manager. Loyal. I'm like my bank manager is a really good guy. Like he's he's yeah. helping me out. So. Well, for the, for those, I guess all those key points we spoke about before. You know, if you're going to be a property investor, there's you know obviously all the resources at hand from multiple lenders, but that's not the key focus. I think depending on the brokerage as well. Like I think we like like Gab's done accounting background. I did an accounting background. Uh, we're property investors ourselves, so we've got skin in the game. Uh, I guess not all brokers are going to be the same, right? But, you know, we're very quite very focused and we call strategic brokers for a reason mm. uh, because we really strategize around the future planning of the customer. And you'll probably hear that in the first interview. If the broker's just asking you for a rate, what's your info, pay slips, what's, mm. oh, here's the rate I can present. And that's mm -hmm. the end of the conversation. Yeah. We haven't looked at your goals, your objectives. Yeah, yeah, because you know? that's, that's really important, right? Like future planning, like we do a lot of that when we're kind of like um, – strategically planning mm. like okay well, how are we going to get you to your goal through property 
And a lot of people first in the game, they're really focused on like the rate. Yeah, 100%. You know, even a lot of just, brokers. Yeah. yeah. They're just like, oh, I just want to get the lowest rate possible. Mm-hmm. But what they don't get is like, okay, yeah, you can get a, 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 a 0.5% or 1% less, but you're going to have to buy a, a property worth 400, not 550. Yeah. You've, you've, your options are limited and people don't get that. Can you, can you guys explain that a little bit? Like how that, that kind of works? Like why should we not? Why should an investor not just be purely focused on on rate? Yeah, like like you mentioned, like borrowing power, for instance. If they're you know on the first one, everyone's pretty much. I, I dare say a lot of people stretching on the first one. Yeah, you know you'll change your lifestyle, adjust your expenses, allow yourself to afford that, create the right buffers. Talking to the right person will will create that buffer or get it right. And sometimes there's algorithms in the system. For instance, mortgage insurance at different levels. And there's different price points and different banks actually price that differently as well. So actually you can almost get the best of both worlds, weirdly enough. They're looking for cheapest rate, but sometimes they're not accounting for their future plans, buffers, you know, not doing all of that kind of work. The point I was getting to, like, let's say, you know, you walk to one person, they said you could buy, like you said, 400 grand is the max borrowing or purchase price. And imagine we were able to get you 550, um, you know, when you look at the long-term growth of that property yeah. over the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 years, and I can actually relate to that because that first property I bought was like 445 grand and there was an option. It was It's like a house on a small block. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I paid 40 grand extra, yeah. which my actual home finance manager, because I was at the bank at the time, mm. said to me, you can't afford it. Yeah. I actually done my own numbers later down the track and I could afford it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that's when I became a broker two years after yeah. that. And I was like, I could have afforded it back then. Hard lesson, huh? Oh, hard lesson. The extra 50 grand. Mm. Um, I could I could value the two properties today. Yeah. You know, my one's probably worth 1. 1. 1.2 million. Mm. That one of the extra land and the extra bedroom, extra bathroom, double lock-up garage, that one's probably worth about 1. 1.7 or 1. 1.8 million. Yeah. You know, so that 40, 50 grand is more of a 10x. You know? Wow, yeah. so that's massive, <laughs> It's man. huge, yeah. Like I could actually yeah. put pull those two valuations side by side yeah. and, and it's truth. Yeah, that's massive. Yeah. Okay. The, the, the main thing, I guess, you know, when I'm looking to work with a broker, the hierarchy we want them to look at is best asset for the client first, then we want best valuation, then we want best rate and that in that order, right? Because let's think of it in simple numbers, guys. Let's say you've got a bank who's charging you a slightly higher interest rate, right? So let's say they're charging you in this market low sevens versus mid sixes, Right. What's the difference to someone's monthly cash flow? I mean, most people, if we ask them, can you find 300 bucks if you really need to? If you've got an asset here today, and you've named some you know, examples for yourself, home, mm-hmm. but if you've got an asset, even on average numbers worth 500K mm-hmm. today, and you know it's going to be worth a million bucks in 10 years, can you find 300 bucks per month now? Can you find 3,600 bucks this year? You're going to bet they're going to fucking find it, right? Yeah, 100%. So it's always in that order. And again, it's always client first. So a lot of brokers don't understand that. You know, as you guys know from being in the industry, uh, some are lazy and like the one lender. Um, some, you know, like cross collateralizing. Mm. We can go to that another time. Um, you know, don't say that word. It's yeah, dirty. It's di- yeah. it's very dirty. It's worse than the f word. Yeah, <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's it's a real real c it's, word. It's the worst c word. Yeah, it's the word we shall never mention again. Yeah, well, we've got a, a little bit of time left. Well, let's talk about rates then. Tell, tell us what's going on. Yeah, pull, pull out your crystal balls. No. Yeah. Oh, rates. It's a, every Tuesday, the first Tuesday of every month, the phone blows up. Look, um, mm. I probably it could tell you what I was looking at at fixed rates just then. Mm. I, I've always kind of, I don't know if it's the right way to look at it, but, you know, based on 
the bank's fixed rates that kind of gives you an indication of what the banks are feeling yeah or which direction they're heading you know well they're mm. putting the money where their mouth is right correct correct and you know what like is their mouth correct all the time no <laughs> you know and, and economists get it wrong all the time there's oh, yeah. you know some big economists I've, I've sat in a room with them and you know and had a beer with them and asked them off topic what do you think and they became completely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> the last six or seven rate rises have been wrong. And then later they go, sorry. Yeah. No, I was, I was, I was with somebody two, three months ago. This, this was our last rate rise. Mm. Nothing's going to happen. Mm. Yeah. And we're going to drop rates by the end of the year. You know, so like, to be honest, like my thoughts on rates is that we're such a micro economy towards scale. As much as we like to think we're in control of ourselves. We're really not. We're not. Like you guys know that, right? Like the world is going to do what the world does. And, you know, we've... You know, we're really lucky here. We're actually in a pretty good environment. We've got a really sound, I guess, mortgage environment. Mm. Um, people forget that houses are owned unencumbered. I think it's 32%, 30, yeah, yeah they something like that. a third. Yeah. Up to 50%, like if you calculate commercial as well. Yeah, so if you, bang on, if you put com- commercials more unencumbered than it is unoccupied stuff, but... Which is crazy. Yeah. No. Just, uh, just explain that again in layman's terms. <laughs> oh, yeah, so, sorry. Um, for the percentage of the property market, like just, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's 32 Because people, yeah. people are scared, right? They're like, ah, yeah. oh, you know, what if people like exit the market and like they can't pay their mortgages and then everything crashes and burns and blah, 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 blah. So, mm-hmm. what, yeah. So, yeah, there's two sides of that spectrum. I guess you got guys who are like, you know, concerned and then you guys who are just waiting. Yeah. Going, hey, 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 I'm going to wait for the world to crash and, you know, remember just like one third of properties are owned with no debt. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's weird. Um, how so big, is the, right, how so. big is the property market? Was it 15 million dwellings or 10 million dwellings? Remember, Ooh, I can't remember the amount yeah, of dwellings, dwellings, but yeah, a lot. Yeah. Okay. But, but the rule of thumb, right? So, out of the entire property market, two thirds is owner occupied, one third is investor, right? As you mentioned, of that two thirds owner occupied, half of that, a whole third of properties in the country are unencumbered, no mortgage mm. at all, right? Um, of the debt that's left, about two thirds is on the investor side and one third on the on the owner occupied, right? So investor debt generally is high as it should be, you guys know, for the tax breaks. Um, but you know, if you look at it generally, our property market is it's stable. Rates is a it's a funny one. I, everything I've read from the beginning of the year has has actually come to fruition from the banks. They put they said similar the actual raises would happen, and and it has so far. The last one I read. You know, a long time ago, back in Jan, was saying that it would stop in June. Yeah, but everything I'm reading now is there's another one to come in July. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think they just got to rip off the mandate, I guess. Get to the get to where they want to be, and then you know, let that settle or let it settle now, which will be great. <laughs> ideally, I'd like them to stop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you know, and then let it settle, and then you know, ideally, based on the, when I was mentioning fixed rates, the fixed rates are actually starting to present lower than the variable rates again. Yeah. Which is in, to me is an indicator that eventually they're gonna be dropping those rates at yeah. some point, right? Um, and I was looking at that probably two hours ago. Mm, yes. But the good thing the banks have done, which which has never happened in, in the years of broking we've done, is they've they've given us an internal platform now, so we can do retention pricing almost every three months, you know, mm-hmm. which is helping out so many clients, like mm. so many clients. And the ba- which bank is gonna do that? You know, which bank is gonna once you do the deal at a, at, a, at a bank. Does the do you ever get a call from the banker? No, no. Every three months we look at their rates. Yeah, and we, we say how can we help our customers because yeah. we we feel the pinch and we feel the pinch for the customers. So yeah. we take on the burden for the customers as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the bank's done well in order to do that. Yeah, they've made our lives quite a bit easier, and I think it's 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 a big tick for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that probably goes back to why go directly to the bank. Well, 
a home finance manager is paid a bonus based on settling your loan. That's it. Mm, yeah. There's no aftercare. There's no you know getting anything else done. Mm. There is a what they call NPS. They're not going to ring you up and go, hey, guess what? Uh, I can get you an extra half a percent. No, off. Yeah, no, no well, way. Let's, let's, let's be honest. The NPS is really net promoter score. It's really toilet paper. Right? Yeah, I don't really care that much about it. Yeah. I had a friend in the industry, fairly enough, who went back to a bank we shall not name. Yeah. Mm. Right. Um, said to them, look, your competition is offering me this much less, 0.75 less, significant amount. Um, can you at least match it? No, no, go to them. Get lost. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So what else can people do, homeowners, investors, in the current market from a finance perspective? Yeah, what can they do? Yeah, so probably um, biggest thing is if you've got existing debt, um, you know, first step is always just to call your bank. They're not going to proactively call you, right? Mm. Mm. Try to get a better rate. It's all. It, sometimes it's a three-step process. Like you've got to call them first so you can raise a case and say, oh, this mm. guy's called. Mm-hmm. It's then call them again, yeah. but but usually come, I guess, ready with ammunition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you know, obviously, talk to you if it's, if it's the broker that you used, or if it's, you know, or you can speak to a broker that you know, or you can speak to us. Doesn't matter. Speak to someone to help you out. Um, get an offer from another bank. You know, mm-hmm. don't obviously lodge that offer because it's going to hit your credit profile, right? Yeah. But get that offer and then call your bank back and go, look, this is the offer I've got. Can you match it? Mm-hmm. If they still say no, then look, take up the offer. You know, yeah. there's like really a three-step process, right? And even our existing customers, we're doing it with them every day. I've literally done 10 of them yesterday. <laughs> it's just yeah. same process day in, day out, just trying to help people get their rates down. And for some people, um, the you know, they come off these what we call a rate cliff at the moment. Hmm. I've got heaps yep. of them. Four, I fixed everyone that I've done a loan for pretty much at 1.89% yep. for four years and they're all coming off in the next two years, one hmm. after another. Yep. So they're going to go from... 1.89% heaven to, you know, probably 5.7, 5.8, depending on which bank, some banks even 6 point something. Yeah. So uh, the repayments are, yeah. What, what advice would you have for those people coming off on a, you know? Yeah, so you, you've got to like prepare months beforehand, yes. you know, and don't, okay. yeah. don't wait till last minute and yep. it's going to start swallowing you. Um, yep. You know, like the step one, talk to your bank straight away. Just, you know, mm. hey, what's, what am I rolling into? Like at least you you then have the information you need to know exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. No one has any idea. Preparation. Right? At, yeah, preparing yeah. for yeah. That, that rate to come off. Yeah. And then look at your cash flow. You know, everyone knows their own cash flow as much as you told a bank, whatever your cash flow is when you apply mm. for a loan, you kind of work your own family budget, right? There's got to be somebody who's controlling that. You've got to know how much money's coming in, how much money's coming out, and shit, can I afford that? Mm-hmm. If you can't afford it, then you've got to re-strategize. Yeah. You might have one, one investment property, two investment properties. They might be paying principal and interest. They're all coming off these rate cliffs. You know, banks are offering cash back. There's all sorts of things happening, right? Mm. You might want to extend, extend your interest um, or your loan term out if you can do that. Not that you want to do that, but yeah. like sometimes it will be better rather than you know getting, I guess, swallowed up over the next eight months and then calling for hardship, then you can't refinance anyone, right? Exactly. So nobody wants or, to be in those or shoes. Or we're selling out an asset that's still good. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Nobody wants to sell an asset that's good, right? Yeah. You can even draw some money out for equity, like just for some buffering, you know, call it 30, 40 grand, something that's going to get you through repayments because, yeah. you know, these high interest rates, is, you know, they're not going to last forever. They're going exactly. to come down. Yeah. You just got to get through, I guess, you know, the, the hailstorm and then you're yeah. going to ride, ride the storm. Yeah, that's Because as we all know, like at the end of the day, it's not an if, it's a when. Like mm. the market will get more confident, it will recover and property prices will keep going up. You got to, f- so rates. there are strategies out rates there. Rates haven't stopped mm. going up. Yeah. yeah. 
Rents are also absorbing some of the crazy. Rent, you know, yeah. they're absorbing some of the rent, the the rate increases as well. But you know, people can go to like brokers such as yourselves and and get some strategies in place to kind of plan ahead, get some buffers in place, and there's there's ways to get through the through the storm. And then if you can come out the other end, I mean, yeah. you know, one one thing I can probably put out there is that in my early days of buying property, I guess was something that. Somebody said to me once that triggered pretty well was like, you know, when the market is is crap out there, right? Like there's nothing happening with prices. They're going down or they stagnate or they're kind of fluctuating like that. But when the property market runs, mm. you cannot catch it. It's quick. Yeah. It's yeah. so fast and so sharp and yeah. that you can't catch it, you know? Classic V-shape recovery, right? Yeah, correct. So, yeah. you know, although rates are tough now, don't, you know, don't go, oh, I'll sell now, I'll buy later or, you know, whatever it is or I'll just mm. wait. When nothing runs, the second the RBA starts dropping rates, you'll see that thing go like wildfire again. Mm-hmm. The second That's they change it. monetary policy, yeah, it all yeah. just it just it's like a zip line straight up. Yeah. You know, yeah. What what you're seeing in the marketplace right now is crazy because there's, there's no one selling. There's, yeah. like, there's no stock. Yeah. It's, it's whatever yeah. triggers the confidence too. Like I mean, mm. post GFC, there was no rate drop till 2012. Right, mm. you entered right. Yeah, yeah. But still, in that four years prior, like the market went bananas. Yeah, yeah. People um, were just confident. Yep. Mate, that was the craziest. Oh, and you're, you know, COVID, coming out of COVID for the craziest run we've ever yeah, seen. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And COVID, then we had the rate drop and we had the confidence. So, yeah. again, double bananas. <laughs> what they call it, like a one once in a generation, like property boom. Yeah. <laughs> like you never see you, you You might see it again, but who knows? You never know. Maybe right? next generation. Those <laughs> <laughs> were interesting times. Yeah. Very much sure. so. And those, sure. yeah, those downtimes that we saw were just purely corrections. You know, yeah. you just went way too hard. Guys, thank you so much for coming on Property Soup today, uh, Gabe and and Hung. We'd we love to have you back. And uh, yeah, so. thanks. Yeah, for thanks sure. for having. Thanks fun. for um, joining today. Thank you very much for your time.